0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Holistic Athlete Podcast. I'm Mike Fetchik, the head coach and co-founder at The Holistic Athlete. My co-host is Dr. Christina Hyland, clinical psychotherapist and co-founder of note to soul We're so happy to be bringing this podcast to you. We're gonna touch on many different topics and how they relate to athletes. Our philosophy is that everyone is an athlete of life. No matter if you're a working mom, an ultra runner, a CrossFit athlete, or just trying to keep up with the grandkids, you're going to gain information you can use in your life to be a more rounded athlete. We'll be drilling into how the mind and emotions of athletes makes them work, how they respond to hard situations, how traumas past and present influence their judgments, and how to work to be a more well-rounded athlete.
1: Just as a warning, some topics we cover might be triggering to some listeners. By listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to our mental and physical health disclaimer made available in our show notes and on our website. The podcast has been made for, available for informational and educational purposes only. Therefore, the content is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, medical and mental health care advice and or diagnosis. Please always clear information provided in this podcast with a health slash mental health professional first before applying our content to your life. We so appreciate any questions or feedback you might have uh, on any of our shows, and we'll make sure to respond to you personally. Thank you so much for being here. Hey,
0: everybody. In this podcast, Christina and I talk about identity. We start out both discussing our past struggles and then move into how to rebuild, find and redesign your true identity, and what factors can impact that process. We hope you take away some valuable insights and it resonates with the lessons from our experiences. A quote that really stuck out to me during this conversation was The only way out is through. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you will as well. Well, here we are. Podcast number one.
1: Oh, wow. It's, <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally.
0: It's been a long time coming. Yeah. We uh, go out for so many walks and have so many Friday night talks and never... Put into words and in action some of the stuff that we're doing so it's it's oh. good to finally be able to kyoto wants to join us yes kyoto this is my russian blue <laughs>
1: six-year-old cat who can't uh be apart from me so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's so true we spend so much time together just like hashing things out so we finally realized we're like why aren't we making this into a podcast like we spend so many hours just going through so many deep topics so finally we're here it's so exciting yes
0: (laughs) hopefully um everybody finds this really informational and um helpful and uh let's just get started you know what do you want to talk about today
1: oh gosh i feel like because this is our first podcast and like you know there's just so much about the development of this podcast that I feel like we need to share that more. Like what kind of brought you to developing the holistic athlete and how did your own healing kind of evolve into this inspiration for it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I spent so much time in the triathlon ultra running running world and my identity was so tied to that with mm. with um just living that eating that sleeping that for 15 16 years yeah that you know i i i was able to kind of take a step back and and say i'm done with triathlon and I moved into this ultra world and started running miles after miles after miles for years. And eventually just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But how do I change my identity, which is so tied to all of that, and still come out and say, this is who I actually am. Because mm-hmm. I thought that was me. I was a coach. I was a ultra runner and I only ever did those things I never really had much else out of that and it's not that my identity was just that wow my microphone's falling down We're working on technology still um <laughs> it wasn't that my identity was just that but I didn't know what else my identity really was
1: right
0: you know it was it was like what else am I I didn't know any more than that That's all I knew. Mm -hmm. So I think that for me, the reason that I started The Holistic Athlete was to show others and educate others that there's more to life than just being an athlete. Wow. And that there's more to being in, there's more to an athlete than just your sport itself. There's a lot more on the mental side that a lot of people just don't really talk about and they just push these emotions down because they're able to just do their sport and that's what they say you know oh that's my therapy and is that helpful to be a therapy yeah but is that the be all and end all i'm not sure
1: Mm. kind of like sounds like it evolved to you for you to be maybe in the beginning it was super therapeutic but then it sounds like there was a point at which you started realizing this isn't healing Mm -hmm. for me this at least that's what i'm sort of picking up on
0: yeah yeah like yes i threw myself into the sport and i love the sport but i wasn't really doing any work towards healing to make myself a better human being which was actually going to make me better at whatever sport i wanted to do
1: right Yeah, because it's kind of um, like, to me sounding like when you when you first started like getting really into it, you kind of don't necessarily We probably didn't imagine it was get as like extreme sport as you got into it, right? But you kind of slip into and it's very like, a great source of distraction and a great source of keeping oneself busy. And I can see how that might, you know, unintentionally numb a little bit of certain traumas or emotions that you didn't necessarily have to face so it's kind of rewarding that way you Mm -hmm. you can really keep yourself busy but you kind of described to me what I was interested in which is this moment that you had where you realized like wait a minute like who am I beyond this and what like where why have I come to this place where I'm just running so many miles and I'm drained. Like, was there a moment where you, can you remember a specific moment or was it accumulation of?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that a lot of athletes kind of follow that same path of, they just don't know any better. So for me, it was not knowing any better, but then it was also this like going through the motions and not really loving what I was doing. Like mm-hmm. I was putting in these high mileage weeks I was swimming high mileage when I was doing triathlon but there wasn't a love for it anymore and it was kind of like why why am mm. I doing this you know kind of questioning your entire existence as to as to why wow. you're doing so much and it was masking a lot of you know maybe underlying traumas not in the sense of like you know getting hit by a car or having a childhood trauma that was like you know, really crazy, but it was my yeah, my mum numbing mechanism, I guess.
1: Right. I can understand. I can really personally relate, but it's really inspiring to me because like if this was kind of a side hobby, it would be one thing, but this is so tied to your work, right? Like yeah. this must have been so hard for you to like be honest with yourself. Like it takes a lot of courage to like be experiencing the heaviness of where is the inner motivation for this anymore? Why aren't I feeling connected to this anymore? But oh my gosh, this is like part of my job. So I just find that entire job. Your really? entire yeah Yeah.
0: So yeah, and that was that was the hard thing too is everyone knew me as a triathlete, as a runner. They didn't really know me as anything other than that. And Yeah. To have that tie to that, yeah, I was very proud that that's who I was. But at the same time, I'm more than that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how can I bring being more than that into not only my own life, but to help share that with my clients and say, you're more than just a triathlete. You're more than just an ultra runner. You're more than a CrossFit athlete. Like, Mm -hmm. you have other aspects of your life. You're a wife, you're a husband, you're a brother, you're a, you know, a son or a daughter.
1: You are you. Yeah, and you're (laughs) you, too. And it brings up that
0: bigger identity question as to, I guess, who are we? Mm -hmm. And how do we shape ourselves into kind of being who we want to be?
1: Right. So that brings up a really interesting... Question for me, like when you started to have these realizations, these epiphanies, you were in the discomfort. You were like, "What do I do to shift this?" Like, how did you start that work? What, what like, what was that like? How did you kind yeah. of unlearn this identity, or did you did you completely dismantle it, or did you? How did you navigate that?
0: Um, yeah, and I think that was the hardest part was kind of coming to that realization and saying. What am I going to do now? And I literally sat on the couch for a year. Wow. Didn't run. I just got
1: chills like that. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Like
0: completely, I guess you could call it a breakdown in some ways. Like I just didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to It's funny because my
1: first word when you said breakdown, I I heard in my my mind awakening. Like Mm -hmm. it's like the messiness of how profound that felt for you like shook you to such a core that you just you couldn't even move like which is like you know I hear a lot of people's stories about awakening and feeling like they can't even move right yeah like you honestly
0: feel paralyzed for lack of a better way of explaining it you feel like I want to do something I want to be somebody but who is that going to be if my whole identity was tied to these long endurance events and being an athlete and just being like, I just don't want to do this anymore. So I literally sat on the couch and watched TV. Like I still worked obviously, Mm -hmm. but it was my own physical being just wasn't sure what to even do. Do
1: It almost seems to me like, so you've had this like awareness open up like a crack in your awareness opened and you became very clear about this is not all of who I am. And it almost to me seems like you couldn't unsee it anymore. And that's like a blessing and a curse at the same time because it's what propels us into change and growth. and But it's also deeply challenging and like I just I can't imagine
0: yeah and the 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 critic voices you know they kind of creep in at that point and say you're just being lazy you're 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 just sitting here and you kind of stew in that for so long that that mm-hmm. then becomes your identity which isn't true either
1: because like running all the time being so scheduled being so it kind of like helps with those conditioned critic thoughts like I'm not lazy I'm running like how many miles a week I don't even know yeah. I don't even know my company. many yeah, miles like, I, I mean it was 100k
0: 100 mile weeks Jeez. like there wasn't anything that yeah. was like off the table right and yeah it's good to have those goals and stuff mm-hmm. but then to leave that in just basically sit there and be like fuck I just don't know what to do with my life it was Mm -hmm. almost like a midlife crisis before I was in the middle of my life right (laughs) yeah so yeah I guess you could call it an athletic crisis almost and I think that a lot of times people they don't necessarily sit with those thoughts and I I really after I felt sorry for myself and just kind of sat there for a while and ate gallons of ice cream and Mm -hmm. watched terrible tv you know I said that this isn't helping either because right. I don't want this to be my life. I'm an active person. I like being active. Mm-hmm. What what can I do to kind of change my identity? And it was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of going back and thinking through, you know, whether it's past traumas or judgments from people in the past or, you know, expectations from anybody really and saying those don't really matter and probably the only person that is actually observing that is myself. No one else is saying, oh, you know, Mike's you know, just being lazy or whatever. That's all in your own head and perception. And Mm -hmm. it, it it's but it also helped me to kind of kick start saying I need to work through some stuff before I can actually find what I wanna do, what I wanna love who I can be myself and still be able to do my job as a coach and an entrepreneur. Hmm.
1: It's like the pendulum swung, right? You went from such extreme uh, like athleticism or or just movement in general to feeling paralyzed and then as you let yourself go into the mud and the thick of all that had been a- a avoided a little bit through mm-hmm. all the running right um and to some degree um sitting with that having stuff that came through that probably has been suppressed for a really long time and then naturally it sounds like you started to find your own way again like but I don't want to just be immobile like I want movement but right. how do I find a healthier or just more in alignment not yeah. even like healthier just in alignment with who you are in apparently. alignment yeah finding
0: those kind of like ways to say this is actually something I enjoy doing whether it's a creative process of writing or you know creating music or or going out and moving my body but not doing it in a way that was necessarily like as demanding Mm -hmm. and I think that was kind of like the first step and I know you see this a lot in your practice with the pendulum swinging with like foods and stuff like that where people are like so hyper focused on living and eating a specific way and then as they intuitively start to eat that pendulum always swings the opposite direction and I know this is a totally different podcast that we can kind of dive into yeah you know like going from zero potato chips to eating Twelve bags of potato right? chips a day, like yeah. you're gonna have that swing, and then it's finding that middle ground where you come back and say, mm-hmm. "This is actually where I need to be," and totally. it's a stress relief.
1: Yes, yeah, like you're coming off of the nervous system overload of how you were living. To I'm actually resting.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Totally. And I think that that's really important for people to find in themselves. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about your story a little bit.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I'd love to. And and it just sort of, I am intrigued, um, especially with the natural kind of coming back to yourself. For me, it was kind of like, it was very, <laughs> I mean, I've had a pretty tumultuous <laughs> journey in my life. Yeah. Um, I'm a pretty open book, though, because Um, I think it's so helpful to know people's stories and hear the depths of kind of how their journey evolved. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to share. I mean, for me, honestly, Mike, it was like, in terms of identity, um, it wasn't so much about like finding who I am versus who I'm not (laughs) (laughs) because, and I'll explain that a little bit because I think for so much of my life, I was trying to be someone that i was not Mm -hmm. and but then because of my conditioning believed so much that that was who i am and what i should be so when i started to have all these signs of but that isn't me and that isn't me it got me more clear on who i actually am which um you know really was life-altering in a lot of ways. Like, (laughs) Mike knows my history. (laughs) Yeah, really life-altering, yeah. But it's amazing the hoops that you jump through to try to maintain what you feel like other people expect of you or see you as. You've developed these external identities to other people of who you are, Mm -hmm. and you don't want to lose that. Like, it's very rewarding. Um, Like, just to give some examples, right? Um, I mean growing up, like definitely to kind of, I was a very high emotional kid, like as a young child, like really like significant emotions. Right. And, um, and at the same time, knowing I felt different and not having the language, um, or the representation, um, for me with sexuality, especially like not having the media representation of that, um, growing up Catholic <laughs> oh, and yeah. like, there's yeah. so much we could talk about, so but much. like being raised in that, um, even though my parents are just so open-minded, um, it just wasn't talked about. So I'm feeling very different feelings than other youth, like that were are naturally connecting to the opposite sex. And I'm just, why am I feeling so disconnected? Um, And not having those same interests Mm -hmm. and for me that felt difference made me want to jump into every single external thing that could make me so quote unquote normal (laughs) so i remember having this conversation with myself like as a young kid i actually remember this so clearly saying um i'm gonna be cool um by playing guitar and i'm gonna be the athlete so that like Both like girls think this and guys will think I'm cool. Like I just um, had to like cling on to something else other than this felt difference Mm -hmm. to try to make sense of who I was in the world. So I got very, very involved and busy, like very much. um, Like I played rap soccer. I was doing creative work. Like just always, um, I think I started my own business, like, I think I was like maybe 15 where I was doing like makeup artistry, like all these things that just kept me so busy. So do you think that that
0: was to kind of keep the actual feelings you were having at bay?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like it was kind of this like creeping sense of knowing like I'm different and I'm like really feeling drawn to women. And then it was like, nope, I'm busy today. (laughs) I can't think about this. And it's so wild to me because, you know, just the hoops that I jumped into to to avoid my truth. And um, that's when things started to slip into more of an eating disorder because, you know, when you're trying so hard to avoid yourself and you can't really as you're like going through puberty and chemically feeling things and I was definitely feeling things oh, sure. <laughs> For a uh, woman it was like how I, I, I wasn't conscious but I know my unconscious was trying to find ways of coping and definitely the trauma of um, witnessing homophobia even in my own family. Um, not my immediate but just generationally and then growing up in this Catholic environment I definitely did not want to face that right so yeah
0: and I mean it still has to be hard like we're still not at a point of complete acceptance and seeing that in in today's society it's gotten so much better yeah but there's still a lot of that out there I'm sure that is
1: oh yeah yeah, I remember it like slipping out of me and sharing it with someone um, just like, oh, I think I'm like either bi or something and it was so vulnerable for me to share it and they're like, oh, don't worry. It's just, a, you're just going through like a typical teenage phase, like you'll be fine and just like the, con- like you said, like it's just so um, conditioned, especially during those t- those years, like that time era, it's like so much more talked about now, I feel like, but uh, during that time, there was no like even television representation. I didn't really have much of access to the internet. I think we had like MSN when I was in grade twelve. Oh. <laughs> it's really dating me. Those chat <laughs> rooms, and yeah, MSN
0: messenger, and then you put up your little aim like you had like the away message that you always made like really angsty if you were in a bad mood yeah oh my gosh that's so funny
1: it's so funny so dating us (laughs) i actually remember now as we're talking that grade 12 um there was myspace yes and i remember i made a fake account and actually put (laughs) put my like bio as like bisexual and had like only a picture of my shirt as my profile picture because I was like I just want to feel what this is like and I just instant overwhelming shame yeah and just feeling so disgusted in myself and I just like even though I was like the biggest ally which is hilarious thinking back now I was the first person in like classes at school to be like okay, yeah, we're in religion class, but like, let's talk about this. And it was, it's funny to see, (laughs) to see like my awareness, it was just so closed. Yeah. so Closed off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what makes it tough. Like, obviously we have very different identity crises as we kind of moved through our adulthood and tried to work through these things. But, you know, it's, it's, Almost like you found ways to numb out the things and the actual emotions. And Mm -hmm. for me, it was kind of suppressing those emotions through, um, through sport. And for you, it was finding those creative outlets to be able to, to numb out almost and suppress feelings.
1: It's funny because I think it started with like these creative outlets and, you know, innocently like slipping more into unhealthier so Mm -hmm. I think that the creative stuff only could take me so far um, until it started to become more of um, slipping into an eating disorder at around age 14 15 and um, that really became like quickly tumultuous and I remember just having this awareness of like what's happening and and but then you know, downplaying it. So again, still my self-awareness was so low at the time. And yeah, so eating struggles and then obsession with movement too, like becoming a marathoner and (laughs) like
0: all these ways that we try to cope. Right. Right. And I mean, I know I've, I've definitely had some eating struggles and we've talked about that before as well. Um, do you think that it was the control of the Mm. eating struggles that helped you to cope or was it just another way, almost a masochistic way to almost show that you are ashamed of who you are?
1: Mm, Very good question. Um, I think again, it was so unconscious at the time, but I think it started off with coping by eating. Like I would really binge eat and Mm -hmm. secret eat and um I I just, I remember I would come home after school and just make so much food (laughs) and I was home alone after school for many hours. So I would just kind of not know what to do with myself with that and coping with not feeling like, feeling like I went to school felt so different. I'd be in a room full of people and feel like I was just this odd one out. And Mm. it's interesting hearing, you know, talking to people, peers from, my school now, they're like, no, you were like, we didn't have that perception of you at all. But it was like my dirty secret that I felt like everybody could read on me. And so it started with binge eating, um, and coping that way. But then when I started putting on weight, it was like a whole new other realm of shame. And so, well, what do you do to control that? Right? So then when I was starting to restrict, it was that like, extreme like power feeling of like yes. oh my gosh like i am able to control this today and it was this sort of temporary relief from feeling not enough and not good enough it was mm. like oh, i have like power over this and so i am strong i am resilient i am um you know powerful or whatever and then you inevitably your physiology takes over and so then i would go through these cycles of just like restriction and binge and restriction and binge and and my weight would just fluctuate so dramatically and I remember um this was all closeted just like my sexuality (laughs) right so they really were tied and we know this in the research now that um like either sexual traumas or sexuality is so tied to eating struggles Mm. and um yeah it became my new identity my eating struggle
0: right So what helped you to kind of realize where you were at and say, this number one isn't me. And obviously some of this is probably physiologically, you can push down some of this stuff for years and years, but no matter what your body is gonna say, no, this is who you are, you know, and this is who you have to become. How did you start to kind of come to that realization?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think my eating disorder in my 18, 19 years of age kept me so regimented and routined and busy that my days were just flashing by. Mm -hmm. And I remember having, it was kind of an accumulation of random thoughts. Like, oh, like my life is flashing by and like, I don't like that <laughs> yeah. and I'm exhausted and I can't do certain things that I love because I don't have the energy. So it started with healing my eating struggle, thinking that was the depth of my trauma and
0: pain. <laughs> and that was just the surface. Yeah, it was it
1: was just the surface. And that's something that I really um, speak to my clients about is like behaviors aren't the fullness of what you're struggles are like, it is just a manifestation of deeper pain. And I had awareness that there was more. Because I remember saying to my mom, like at about 1920, when I started to really work on my healing and my eating struggle behaviors started to subside a little bit Mm -hmm. um which i'm sure we could go into a whole other podcast about yeah um, sure how that developed but i remember saying to her like there's something off about me that i just i can't pinpoint and yet i was so tied to the identity of a heterosexual path because i just it's not even like i had inherently conscious notions of homophobia like internalized homophobia like it's I would never have identified that way as I said I was such an advocate but it was like the moment I would step into feeling that for myself it was like no 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 and there was a bit of confusion because um, I was so low self-esteem about my physical appearance that if I got male attention it felt like affirming to me. So it was kind of pulled that way. So there was so much confusion. And I just remember um, every time I would date a man, I would be like met with such an aversion to being like intimate with them that I would inevitably come up with conversations with them around like, why aren't we being able to be intimate together or close or even cuddle or affectionate? Like, there's this wall with you. Yeah, like and, a
0: disconnect in some way.
1: Mm-hmm. And those were all, there was all these little omens, right? These signs and... The red um, flags
0: that none of us ever really look at in yeah. our identity, I guess.
1: Right. And um, it wasn't until I actually met my mentor in my earlier 20s when she asked me the question, um, what is your sense of self? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, it was such a deep question. And yeah. it was, like, so foreign to me at, like, 1920 mm. or however old mm. I was at the time. But it really made me think about, yeah, like, who who am I really? And then it was, like, just awareness of, well, I'm not this person for this man. And I'm not, you know, really enjoying my extreme marathoning like is this kind of similar to you that moment of like is this really an inner want or an external want and that's somebody
0: else's want that you're just living (laughs) for them yeah
1: totally and I think that's when it really clicked with me because when she said what is your inner sense of self I realized like the, the the difference between external and internal identity yeah the external identity of me was like, you know, I had to maintain a certain body image, I had to maintain this athleticism, everyone had to see me as an athlete, or I had to be, you know, seen as this, like, you know, straight person getting married um, to a man and like, you know, that pathway that were are just, um, I can't remember if it was Brene Brown, or um, Glennon Doyle who talked about I think it was Glennon Doyle in her book which was amazing it was so spoke to my experience um, her book was fantastic and, and she speaks a lot about like just these like heteronormative like next steps like not even just heteronormative but just societally normative right like you go into this school and you need to do your university and you got like it's just so laid out for you
0: right it's go to university come out get married have kids two kids a car yeah a house everything like that it's very normalized and chunked out and that's not how we want to live no should live
1: And for me, it was like being so modeled, people pleasing. Mm. It was like, well, why wouldn't I pave the right like, you know, carve out my own right path that way. Right. So I just never really questioned the conditioning. Yeah. And it was all these failed attempts at male relationships that made me really ask these questions like what, what isn't working here and why is this not connecting to me? um there were so many moments like that it's hard to even pinpoint feels like a different lifetime now like when I look back I'm like wow (laughs) that's a whole different
0: and isn't that interesting that you say that because you when you start to find who you truly are and that identity those lifetimes just seem so far and so far away that you used to live because it was such a Almost a a mask that you put on, which is funny. I know we're recording this now, but it is Halloween. Right. (laughs) You know, you put on these costumes for everyone else. But when you finally peel all of those off and you become who you are, all of those past lifetimes seem so far away.
1: So far away. Like, I just remember being like very um, fresh in my marriage to a man. Right. Like even going as far as like marrying a man. Yeah. Right. And sitting there and being like, I had this weird thought. And this is where the psyche is so fascinating because the unconscious sometimes just comes through like for you like it just was such a random moment right that you were like this isn't working for me anymore like right
0: and maybe at that point I had already been doing some work you know you and I had already done a lot of work on food relationships and body image relationships for me Mm -hmm. so that might have just been the next step in my kind of iteration to finding who I am yeah but for you it was like
1: yeah, it was like similar I think in the sense we both I guess worked through the surface, right? right? So you're getting closer to the root. And at that point I had been fully healed from my eating disorder like in terms of behaviorally. Yes. Um the deeper root of that though
0: wasn't was even it. the eating disorder at all. That was just yeah. a, a mask and something to concentrate on.
1: Yeah, and so I remember having this really weird like light bulb moment where I was like you can never be with a woman now and that was like the weirdest thought I was like because at that time I hadn't deeply reflected on my sexuality I just thought I'm more asexual and you know that's something that's been accepted in my relationship and Mm -hmm. um, really respected and loved and so I'm like oh wait a minute (laughs) like why am I having that thought so sometimes your true self comes through in, in different ways. Some people, it's like a a message like that or it's, um, you know, a, a health issue where you can't, you have to face yourself. But I think I had been doing so much deep, relaxative meditation work that I was having these thoughts come through and that really never left me that thought. It was mm-hmm. just like something felt, again, right versus not right <laughs> for me authentically and um
0: and it was actually listening to that for you mhm instead of just pushing it back down i guess
1: yeah like kind of to your point of like when you can, when you see you can't unsee yes similar to your experience so i couldn't unsee that there was something there about women and because i was slightly open to that um when I did actually end up encountering someone who I was really attracted to and interested in. Um, I really couldn't unsee at that point. (laughs) And I was like, for sure. Oh, wow. Like, okay, so now I'm recognizing I am not (laughs) heterosexual, like in my identity, right? I am. This is definitely what people have been talking about for so many years. Like, people share their crushes and their like but I had been so closed off to my body and I think that was an unconscious like mechanism of an eating disorder like you're so turned off from your body how do you even have reception like of what you really are drawn to like I don't know about you but when I started to do my healing work I remember standing in front of a fridge and being like what do I actually want to eat like
0: no kidding yeah right (laughs) I know like for me, it was jars and jars of peanut butter every week. And now I'm just look at peanut butter. I'm like, oh, shit, I don't really like that. I don't want to eat that. you know. <laughs> yeah. And it took me a long time, even for like eggs. I was eating like 12 eggs a day and all this stuff because that's what you do when you're, you know, trying to get an extra number of protein or whatever it is. But it, it's like you're not being true to yourself.
1: no all the rules, right? Like all the dietary rules. It's like life rules. It's just another like um, symbolic representation of the deeper parts that we we repress and we deny um, is really symbolic of our eating struggles. It's like, what am I, what else am I suppressing? And I remember um, my friend saying to me, and this was another moment. It's like these little, again, these omens. She said to me when I was thick in my marathoning. Um, this is before I was even married to a man. Um, and she said to me, what are you running from? She's like, Christina, I was a marathoner for years and I, I couldn't understand. I'm like, why won't you run with me? And she's like, oh, I'm done that chapter of my life. And she said, because I was running away from my trauma so symbolically, what are you running from? And I was so angry. It's funny when people show a mirror to you, right? Yes. I was so resistant. I was like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) You're opening up too much for me. Yeah. And
0: do you think that a lot of people don't work through their traumas because number one they might not be asking themselves the right questions and totally around identity here because that's kind of what we're what we're after here um but do you think that people don't become their true selves and identity because they don't want to face their pasts and actually work through what needs to be worked through
1: such a good question maybe for some for sure and i think for a lot of people, it's, I don't know how, like what is doing the work? Like what is facing, they haven't been, um, perhaps even raised in households where emotional openness, vulnerability, feeling validated for your emotions has, as the foundation hasn't been cultivated. Right. So, you know, people have really amazing awareness. Like most of my clients who come to me, especially with eating disorders or, identity struggles, like, some of them are the most intelligent people, like, I would say they all are, and very deep-minded people, and they ha- they'll they say to me, like, I know my traumas, like, I'm so aware, but how do we move from awareness to deep change, like, deep shift, and I think, um, I don't want to speak for your experience, but I do feel that The only way out is through.
0: Yes, it it definitely is. Like that's exactly the only way. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to put all this shit in a box and put it over here and never deal with it again. Like Mm -hmm. there's no way around it. You have to go through dealing with the hard stuff Mm -hmm. if you want to find the good stuff.
1: Right. And I think identity is a really good place to start because you're saying to yourself, you know, or you're at least exploring what external parts of myself am I so attached to? Like if I, you know, think about one of my clients, you know, she was in her late seventies and I remember she had just started her work with me. Um, and her saying like, I was a model and my whole life I was like seen in this way. And so no amount of plastic surgery can make me look like I'm in my thirties now to my twenties and I'm getting different treatment. And so I remember her being like, I do not know who I am beyond my physical appearance. So this external appearance of myself of being a model. So who am I without that? Right. And so I think, um,
0: do you think that societal demands on her that just kind of, and, really for any of us, right, with the social media reel of everybody's most positive things always and everything, do you think that a lot of people's identity get lost because they realize that they need to fit into these societal norms versus just saying, this is who I am, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's who I'm going to be?
1: Exactly. I think it's so incredible some of the people that are coming out on social media just owning who they really are beyond the filters and just like showing that to the world i think it's very courageous and um, because it is so rewarded to follow suit with what society has brainwashed and conditioned us from a very early age it's so vulnerable to step outside of that it feels traumatic really like for me to like yeah, like let go of such an external view of myself was so hard, right? So so vulnerable to face. Um,
0: but how did you feel coming out the other side?
1: Oh my, like a rebirth. Like honestly, like, <laughs> after no you kidding. got through the mud of it all, like there was, it was very complicated for me, right? Because it was the taboo of divorcing on top of, you know, the taboo quote unquote of being gay in, in my experience. Um, and yet, you know, all these belief systems I had developed so early on that, you know, would my family accept, would my friends be accepting, um, you know, all these fears and I was so embraced, um, actually, and this was very interesting. I actually had a bit of a harder time a little bit in the gay community, um, at first, um, because there's a whole identity right. um, development. Are you sure of... that you're actually gay? Yeah. In the gay community,
0: <laughs> which is wild. because that it's the same thing. It's it's almost like now you're not accepted by any community.
1: Right. Like if you've married a man, then you know there's just it's just a different like you know judgment. So there's no no uh, community is immune to identity. Um, right. You know discrimination or challenges and. Um, it's just interesting because I struggled with that as well. Like labeling myself because I was very aware that I had done that for so many years. I'm the, I'm the guitarist. I'm the soccer player. I am the marathoner. I am, I am, I am right. External, external, external. It's always external. (laughs) So I was like, do I even label myself as gay? Because you know, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. I just know what, I am fully drawn to which is women and I leave it at that and I'm comfortable with that right and um, you know it's amazing the community has now like I feel very embraced by it but it was just the initial experience was super interesting for me to see Um, yeah because my assumption was I wasn't going to (laughs) be accepted in my family and life sure but no it was the opposite
0: yeah so I wonder if Something similar obviously happens within people in sports, right? You Eventually, you just can't do a sport at the high level that you want to anymore. Mm -hmm. And you worry that you're just not going to be accepted as someone in that sport, you know, or or even like as a coach being like, well, he's not a triathlete. So how could he coach a triathlete? Or he's not an Mm -hmm. ultra runner. Wow, yeah.
1: I just got chills again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How did you navigate that? Well, I, I think that a lot of it, at least for for me, came down to knowing that I had already done all of that. hmm So the resume was there, which is different because it's not like you could just show up to a date and give them a resume and be like, Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I But all these experiences I with women don't. <laughs> right? You just don't do that. Yeah. Um But there's still that, that worry that your identity being tied so tightly to one thing or the other, um, you kind of get rejected from both communities then Mm -hmm. because you're no longer this and you're something else, but yet neither one of the communities really want to accept you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can personally relate because I felt like, and this is something that was very, like, interesting that I went through, um, this identity struggle of being, like, a clinician and going through this major of an identity crisis. Right. Right. Like, having worked with so many youth who were coming out to me in my sessions um, my very first client actually um, came out to me as trans and like I just adore them and was so like excited for them and like just uh, like alive for them and then thinking about myself and like I'm closeted what is going so there's was, was a lot of shame even for my profession like yeah. you know it was my mid-20s and and yet, like, it's that humbleness, like, now I share this with some of my clients when it's appropriate and the right person and time, and um, I'm open about it here because it's like that reality that you can be a quote-unquote um, professional in your field and be just as human as the people that you're working with, and it's it should be that way, like, you are not the expert of their lives, you know, like, they might hope for that. But in reality, their biggest healer is within themselves. Their biggest healing therapist is within themselves. And their biggest athlete, you know, conqueror is within themselves, right? So I think it just makes you, Mike, so much more relatable, so much more human. And like I feel safe to refer clients to you because I know you're going to come with them with a sensitivity to their trauma and understand the identity struggles and you have done your work. So to me, it's like, who's better qualified than someone who's done their own deep healing?
0: For sure. Yeah. And I mean, meeting clients where they're at and then showing them, you know, how to kind of do the work themselves is really important for me. And I do that through athletics and you do it through, you know, talking and, you know, giving tips and helping people to kind of understand who they are. I wondered if there was any any way that you could kind of say if you're starting to kind of think about your identity mm-hmm. or your questioning, is there any specific books or mm. any specific, you know, resources um, or questions even that they should be asking themselves, or how would you go about kind of, you know, having some 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 way that people could start exploring this to say, I'm not happy with who I am, but I don't know how to kind of work through who I want to become.
1: It's mm-hmm. a great question. Just being so curious to those messages because we all receive them. Um, I do think, though, getting a bit curious and slowing down, especially I think for your audience, like it's it's a lot of dedication to movement and which is fantastic. I think um, slowing down and hearing and questioning is this decision I'm making coming from within or is it external is it coming from the shoulds i should be doing this training this week or is it coming from inside i feel this inner will and this excitement to do this training like there is a difference of feeling Mm -hmm. that and it's okay if that doesn't feel if it's too vulnerable to act on it it's it's not it's not clear-cut like that right um a lot of my acknowledging Mm-hmm. that taking note. something yeah taking, taking note observing yeah like I like to say it's kind of like being a bit of like a scientist of your mind for a little bit like I didn't even act on any of my changes for a long time it was just like I'm noticing observing and not feeling shame about it just curiosity um as if you're watching like as if you've been hired to sit outside on a bench and watch pigeons every day and the behavior of pigeons you're going to notice they're going to have these common behaviors and you're not attacking the pigeon you're just observing it oh okay every day it goes over here to get this food and does this (laughs) and it's interesting so just being inquisitive with your mind and in observing it um and gentle with yourself I think there's so many amazing books as well that I can point to like the power of now by Eckhart Tolle he touches on like getting quiet getting slowed down to hear your true self Um, then there's Viola Fedora my mentor who wrote a really lovely number of books on sense of self um, I think there's a new one I haven't personally read yet but I think your wife was talking to me about which is the um, holistic psychologist I love her Instagram and so her stuff is just like wow she gives really good concrete activities um, and you know some older books too like the man's search for meaning mm. which is by Viktor Frankl um, It I know it's kind of a bit like, it's like the man (laughs) throughout the whole book is used, but you know, it's applicable to humans. Right. And I think he would agree with that now, I'm sure. Um, But it was talking about his struggle of being um, in the concentration camps, like in Auschwitz and how even through the depth of that severe pain and anguish and trauma and grief, like finding meaning Deep, true inner meaning, and honoring that, and identifying with that, yes, really kept him alive. Like it saved his life. So I think there's something to those teachings. Um, yeah, just getting closer to what you really like. Wh- what life do I actually want to live? Like, right.
0: and listening to yourself, yeah. not necessarily, you know, saying I'm doing this to validate myself through others too.
1: Yeah, like being aware of your conditioning, like what a good, like a very good journal activity might be something like, what messages did I learn growing up? What are just the messages? Like what belief systems, what stories have I learned about myself, about the world? And is that really aligning with me now? (laughs) Right?
0: Yeah, 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 I, I, I think so. And I mean, there's a lot that goes into creating and finding out your identity from, you know, things like just defining and writing down what you think your identity is and finding what truly your like core values are. or your limiting beliefs too, like where you're, you just don't even know what you don't know.
1: Yeah, so true, Mike. And I think we could do a whole other podcast on... The simplicity of finding your identity, or your, or just really coming back home to your real, true you. Yes. Um, because I think it's actually so simple, um, but we complicate it because we complicate it of because our we an- analytic everything. brain. <laughs> yeah, especially as analytical thinkers, right? right. Like we just want to like figure out the exact pathway to like know your true you fully and to accept it and embrace it. And um, I think it's actually a lot simpler. That is something we could definitely, if people are interested, like dive more into. I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is fascinating. I think diving into something like that would be really, really good. Even if there's some activities that we can do and kind of. I'm gonna write work this down. At. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> make definitely. a note of it. Yeah. To make sure that we kind of come back and circle back to that. Um, we have so many topics that we want to cover, oh, yeah. but that's definitely one that I think is going to ring true in, in most of our podcasts is mm-hmm. finding who you truly are and being true to yourself, um, whether that's in athletics or just in your daily life. It's really important to find how to really define yourself because mm-hmm. defining yourself is going to make you a better human being for everyone else around you.
1: Totally. I think this is why we share our stories too, right? So that people have a foundation of understanding of where we've kind of come from mm-hmm. and what um, areas in our life that we had to really face to understand um, or, t- or to cultivate kind of our own movement um, comfort level. Why we're at, like you and I are, are in different places with our movement. Um, or or just manifest differently. Maybe not different places, but yeah. it manifests very different. Um, Which is
0: so funny because we yeah. both kind of started in the same realm of lots and lots and lots of running, right. you know, and lots of exercise. And now neither one of us are like super demanding on our exercise, and it's it's part of our life, but it's mm-hmm. not. And it still defines part of us, but it's not the defining factor of who we are.
1: No. Yeah, it's so fascinating to see the evolution of that. Um, I'm curious, like, would you, would you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about what your athleticism looks like for you now? Like, is that something you'd like to... Yeah,
0: I mean, in terms of, like, what I do training-wise? Yeah, um, what does it look like? Yeah, is... like... For me, it's, it's, it's more of just kind of finding things that I enjoy. And I, I've come to realize that I don't want to do one specific thing. I would just want to be a healthy individual that can do many different things. So
1: it sounds like your priorities have shifted, like, which kind of speaks to your philosophy, I think of the holistic athlete.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm not just working on the physical aspect of being an athlete. I'm working a lot on the, the mental side of things Mm -hmm. too. So like for me, um, going and putting in a hard 45 minute workout where I do some lifting and then I do some stuff just to get my heart rate up is more important than going out and riding for four hours and, you know, then running, or like running for an entire day. Okay,
1: that's so interesting to me because again, like we're talking about surface and deeper, right? Surface level is I gotta I gotta run four hours today, right? Right. Deeper is what am I really wanting? What is what is helpful for my growth? What is inspiring? How is this me? going
0: to help me to be better? At the way I want to be better. Mm-hmm. You. Yeah yeah nobody else yeah exactly (laughs) it's not for anybody else it's for me and that shifts like I still do race I still I don't necessarily race at the same level but I'm okay with that
1: and this brings up a really good point because I think that people fear that if you do disidentification work that you need to totally suspend and eliminate external identities like i can't right. identify with athleticism no it, it's okay to have this like draw to identifying as an as an iron man today right but right. it's the difference between you having control over it versus it consuming and controlling your whole life
0: yes for sure and that's that's exactly right like it's not an all-consuming thing that i'm like I have to do this today because I have to get ready for this event and it's 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 not a stress on my life when I work out. It's more of a way for me to enrich my life.
1: Wow. I feel like people really need to hear that. It's <laughs> yeah. like like Yeah, like, what enriches you? Like, what in your athleticism, like, enriches you? Like, for me, it's just simply hiking. Like, I just love being in nature. Yes. And that's all it's landed. Like, honestly. Yeah, (laughs) and I do a
0: ton of hiking. I do a ton of walking. And I honestly, like, the other day, uh, Maria and I went for a run. And I come back, and I'm like, that was the longest run I've done in over a year, And I'm kind of proud of myself for being able to do that. You know, my calves hurt for they're still hurting today. And it's four (laughs) days later, of course. But, you know, it's one of those that like that day I was like, yeah, I'm I'm at my parents house and I really love this area. So I'm going to go for a run.
1: Yeah, it just felt so it's like bringing up a whole other area, like intuitive movement similar to intuitive eating like what like we don't we're we're built to move like and actually that's part of somatic trauma work is movement like moving energy and moving your trauma through your body so you can't really suppress that fully it's that balancing of but but what feels right for me and it's so funny because i think about like um like amy and i my fiance we we climbed kilimanjaro in March and that's so extreme right seven days of like climbing the tallest freestanding mountain in Africa like it was the most intense thing and I remember like talking to Mike before being like I don't train like what am I doing people train for this for like a year in advance right um and you're like well you you're so sweet you're like you hike a lot and yeah
0: (laughs) it's crazy what if you put your mind to something what you can accomplish but When you are already doing the things that make you have the lifestyle that would allow you to do that, then you're able to do that. Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. Right. So like when I go to the gym and I lift, there's some times where I'm like, I just really don't want to be here, Mm -hmm. but I still enjoy it. Totally. Like I might be thinking about other things, but I also see it as like a stress relief and not a chore it's okay. I have 40 other things that I have to get done before we go to bed tonight and it's already eight o'clock and how am I going to get all this done? But going to the gym and taking that 45 minutes or an hour enriches the fact that I can then come off of that and feel energized and say, okay, I got some energy out. Let's just bang out the rest of this work and you know whatever else needs to be done mm-hmm. um,
1: no it's not knows. like
0: yeah. a chore of this is part of who like this is all of me and this is what has to happen it's I do it because I want to and because there's in some way it's going to help me be a better person
1: I love that so much and I'm so happy for you because that's that sounds very freeing.
0: It is. It's very freeing to not be like, I have to do this. I want to do this.
1: It's so liberating. Yeah. Really life altering because it, it just, it's why I always think like everyone, feel or like at least I always grew up thinking like I just need to be happy, but it's like just a fleeting emotion like other emotions, whereas inner peace is longstanding. Like no matter where you're at in your healing, no matter how much healing you do um, or the work that you do, like we're not immune to life's pain. Right. There's traumas all the time, loss, grief, accident. You know, there's so much Um, as humans are just, this life has suffering. But when you have the inner freedom to live your truth, you do meet those traumas with more wisdom and more, um, like inner peace. And so it's more manageable.
0: Yeah. And a lot of things that I do within my life now, I've been asking, how is this going to benefit me?
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And I think that that's something that I've been able to really stick to and say, going to this party is not something that I really want to do, but how's it going to benefit me? Well, it's going to get me out. It's going to get me to socialize with some people that I do enjoy being around Mm -hmm. or, you know, you know, going somewhere and not really wanting to go somewhere. How's this going to benefit me and saying, well, it's really not. Mm -hmm. And being okay with saying no to an invitation just because I know staying home is going to benefit me more than going out and being stressed by that situation.
1: So amazing. Just so inner inner guided versus the external shoulds. And that's really hard to unlearn, like for me, especially the people pleasing. Like yes. I was a yes person to everything and everyone.
0: That's a huge identity. Yeah.
1: Thing. Oh, yeah. Because, and I remember saying um, when I explored this with myself, like, Well, why can't I say no? Well, I feel guilty. Is it really guilt or is it more, it is, but is it more, I won't be enough if I don't do this to them or they'll see me differently.
0: Right, right.
1: Again, identity.
0: Yeah. It all ties back into that thing. And I think that's why this was a really good podcast for us to open up with just because everything does or should tie back to you and your identity hmm. So I, I, I'm sure that this is going to be something that we come back to a running theme. <laughs> yes. Through all of the podcasts. Yeah. But to open up <laughs> and talk about identity and kind of explain where we're at in our own journeys and identities change. Right. They change from day to day. They change from week to week. You're always learning new things mm-hmm. to better yourself and make your identity stronger so that you can stick to your true being.
1: Absolutely. I think it'll be interesting in later podcasts to go back to this one and to hear where we're at then versus now. <laughs> and laugh at ourselves yeah, and it's be like, oh my God, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we appreciate your understanding. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: so is there anything that you're taking away from this conversation that, you want people to really hear.
1: Hmm. Wow, so many things. I think what really stood out to me today was when you spoke simply about, is this really benefiting me? Mm-hmm. Like that question that you ask yourself is such a, a guiding pivot point that you can always fall back on to to go inward. Yeah. Uh, a simple practice. and I think that really would benefit your listeners.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I think for me, it was, it's, it's that I really want people to kind of hear that movement should be something that enhances your life. And I know we both kind of touched on that, that it shouldn't be that your life is about movement. It should just enhance you. Just like a partner shouldn't be what completes you, it should be something that enhances your being.
1: Amazing great analogy
0: yeah well until next time i guess we're uh we're gonna get going so train well be well and perform well